See that now? Sojourn Network mug, Sojourn Network attire. So for those of you maybe kind of new to Four Oaks, we're a non-denominational church that's part of a family of churches called the Sojourn Network, like-minded, theologically, philosophically aligned churches. There's about 90 of us right now, 85, 90 of us across the the fruited plain and we're united for mission for church planning for training and resourcing pastors and local churches and that's part of the family of churches that we are a part of and so pray for the sojourn network um, this season even though covid uh, sort of dominates everything we currently support 2025 church planners uh, across north america and um, we're united in, in mission and gospel uh, like-mindedness together. And so it's something we have a privilege to be a part of as, as the family of Four Oaks Church. But this morning, we are to our seventh and final church, the Church of Laodicea. It's the most dire situation of all the churches of Revelation. It has the most severe warnings. It has the most... Um, precipitous sort of self-deception and spiritual apathy going on that you can imagine. And so there's a lot for us to, to learn here, I think. We're gonna, I'm gonna read from Revelation 3, uh, beginning in verse 14, and we're gonna pray, we're gonna dive in. Verse 14, and to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works, you are neither cold nor hot would that you were either cold or hot so because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold i will spit you out of my mouth for you say i am rich i have prospered and i need nothing not realizing that you are wretched pitiable poor blind and naked i counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Heavenly Father, we want to have ears that hear what your Spirit says to us, what your Spirit says to um, the church at Four Oaks, what your, church, what your Spirit says to the church in Tallahassee, to North America, to the world. And Lord, we want to align ourselves with that because we know uh, there is no other path to true joy, human flourishing, and God-glorifying ministry and work in life than where you are leading us. So, Father, please guide us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Jesus begins by introducing himself to the church in Laodicea, and it is an introduction. I mean, it's a, it's a word for the ages. And he reminds them, look at verse 14, that he is the faithful and true witness. And I think Jesus is taking the church in Laodicea back to his earthly ministry when there were all of these pressures on Jesus to be and do certain things. Jesus, we want you to be the king. Jesus, we want you to fix all of our problems. Jesus, 
um, we want you to um, just um, put aside all these ridiculous claims about who you are and be who we want you to be. In other words, Jesus was constantly in his ministry threatened with compromise and how easy it would have been, right, to have the angels rescue him, to for him to anoint himself king, to avoid the cross. But of course, in doing so, he would have con that would have been condemning to all of us because he had to come and die. And we see that Jesus in his earthly ministry never wavered from his central mission and purpose. As opposed to the church in Laodicea, who is anything but, um, they were not being faithful. In fact, they were compromising. They were acquiescing to the culture around them. And the biggest, the biggest issue here was that they were self-deceived about who they really were. They were self-deceived about this compromise. They were self-deceived about their true spiritual condition. And this put them in a precarious spiritual position. So one of the things that Jesus does here, um, and, and this has been subject of much debate in verse 15, I know your works, you're neither cold nor hot, would that you were either cold or hot. And some have traditionally thought, well, this means that uh, Jesus would rather be you be all the way for him or all the way against him, um, but just don't be in the middle and squishy and um, you know undecided. And I don't think that's, what's going on here okay it helps to to understand a little bit of the history of the city of laodicea so when it was originally founded it was founded along a trade route it was a strategic location but they weren't accessible to water and so um, they had to bring water in from the surrounding cities one city that they had to bring water in from was Colossae, and the water in Colossae was cold um, it was spring fresh, so to speak. Um, it was useful for drinking and all those sorts of things. And then they had to bring in water from Heropolis, which was known for its hot medicinal springs. People would go there to, um, for, for medicinal purposes. So as they're bringing water in from both of these sources, they are running together. And what do you get? You get lukewarm water, tepid water. Um, so, so Laodicea was notorious for not having uh, a high water quality. So here in Tallahassee, we, uh, we are known, we have a reputation for a very high water quality. And in Laodicea, it was just um, the opposite. So if you were a visitor and you came and you drank the water, you would immediately be like, ugh, something's wrong with this water. This water doesn't taste right. And in a sense, that's what Jesus is using to describe their spiritual condition. They are lukewarm. They are, they are not useful. They are, they are only useful for spitting out of his mouth because they're neither hot, you know, medicinal. They're neither cold, which is nourishment. They're neither, and so they're completely useless. Now, when, when it says that, when Jesus points out the fact that they are that they are oblivious to this, okay? When in verse 17, for you say, I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing, not real. That was their thought, like, we're, we're good. We're in a stable spiritual situation where we got everything that we need, right? And we can, as Americans can identify with this, we have everything we need. You know, we've got our cars and our homes and our bank accounts and and we get Jesus all at the same time. 
and we end up having a very sometimes ineffective witness and Jesus wants to point out to them okay their true condition he says they are poor blind and naked and again that plays off some of the the local dynamics of Laodicea so there was three things Laodicea was known for its banking industry so people were very wealthy for its medical school particularly its school of can you believe it ophthalmology all right and developed medicines for for eyes and they were very um, uh, industrious and they made textiles of uh, uh, thrived in the textile industry of clothing and so they thought they were rich they thought they could see quote-unquote they thought um, they had everything they needed but they were really in spiritually speaking poor wretched blind and naked and Jesus is wanting to hold up a mirror for them to see themselves as they are true as they truly are because unless and listen if you and I can't see ourselves for who we truly are then we truly can't repent we truly can't return to Jesus and this is why in actuality this this is the most severe warnings of all the letters okay so it says that Jesus says if you're just lukewarm I'm gonna spit you out of my mouth and we kind of think oh that that's 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 just gentle you know you you drink something you kind of spit out the word literally means to vomit in other words I want I'm, I want to expel you I want to get you as far away from me as possible he does say I do stand at the door right and so there, there's a sense in which while they're being warned there is still the opportunity for repentance there's still the opportunity for restoration but that time is drawing near and it says gives us this picture here in verse 20 that behold I stand at the door um, and knock if anyone hears my voice opens the door I'll come into him and there was a there's a song um, you know from a while time ago kids would sing uh, behold behold I stand at the door and knock 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 and we have this idea of of Jesus he is just prim and proper and patient and he is just gently knocking on the door of our hearts wanting us to let him in um, and it's it's been used as like an evangelistic invitation that's not the context at all the context at all is that there is a sense of urgency that Jesus is entreating his church that he's not just tepidly knocking tapping at the door there's an urgency and you know when someone comes to your door and knocks very hard and loud and you you're jolted awake and you're wondering what's happened what news is this person bringing what's going on what's wrong it compels us to action and that's what Jesus is doing here right he is entreating he is saying there is a sense of urgency I'm asking you to examine your hearts I'm exact I'm, uh, I'm 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 asking you to repent now if all of this okay sounds um, scary okay sounds uh, ooh this is this is not my vision of what I think Jesus does then then we fail to understand that what Jesus does here is actually love okay, look at verse 19 those whom I love I reprove and discipline so be zealous and repent he's coming to us he's coming to the church in Laodicea because he loves us he loves them he wants them to turn he wants them to wake up he's entreating them and there is this idea that those who hear the voice of Jesus okay um, John says my sheep hear my voice right and, and, and those who turn who hear this admonition 
just needed a spiritual wake-up call. They just needed a sense of urgency, a, a spiritual kick in the pants. But, but the connotation here is for those who don't hear the voice of Jesus, those who don't recognize Jesus, who don't turn from their apathy, they run the risk, right, of one day Jesus saying, um, behold, I never knew you, right? Um, because if you knew me, you would hear my voice and you would respond to my voice. And what an admonition for us today to not, as the writer of Hebrews would say, is to not harden our hearts today, but listen, hear, heed the voice of Christ. And of course, that comes through his word. And remember, this, this admonition ends with a gracious invitation. Jesus says, I will come in and eat with you and he with me. In other words, I'm doing all this not so that you will perish but that you will thrive and that you will come to me, you will return to me. We're gonna have communion together, we're gonna to eat together, we're gonna to break bread together. Um, this is going to be um, a sweet reunion for my sheep, for my people, for those who hear my voice, who have forgotten me for this season, who have grown cold in their love, who have uh, been self-deceived about who they are. And Jesus says, my voice coming to you today is an act of my grace. I am here to meet with you, to dine with you, to commune with you. What a great word, I think, for, for us to, to end this section of Revelation, um, thinking about these seven churches. Um, there is this invitation, um, an urgent invitation, but an invitation nonetheless, to come and return to Jesus today. And so that's a good summary, I think, a good exclamation point um, at the end of this section of Revelation. So Monday, so we'll be back Monday, same time, same station, we're going to, to be into Revelation 4, and this begins those series of visions, really for the rest of the book, where John is, is being shown things by God, and John is translating these things into apocalyptic language and symbols that would, have, that would make this situation and these visions come alive and have poetic and artistic um, in, in, and inspiring meaning to the readers. And um, we're going to see the inside of the throne room of heaven. We're going to see the, the history of redemption unfold. We're going to see the, the final judgment unfold. All of that awaits us in the coming days. So back here, same time, same station, Monday, Revelation 4. Um, if you haven't gotten the companion book to this, um, to this series that we're doing, Unveiled Hope by Scotty Smith. You can find it on Amazon, online somewhere, PDF copy floating around. Hey, thanks for being with us. Let me pray and we'll um, sign off for the weekend. Lord, we are just like the church in Laodicea. We need your intervening grace. We need you to awaken our hearts to our true condition that so oftentimes, Lord, we're self-deceived. We believe we're independent, autonomous, can function apart from you, but Lord, Remind us that we cannot. Apart from you, we can do nothing. And we commit our lives to you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.